Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm speaking to Daniel Bryant, who's got me into a lot more conferences than I'd care to admit, uh, who is head of DevRel for Ambassador Labs. Daniel was pretty much there from the start and has had the experience of building an integrated developer relations function inside a company that works really well with all the other functions within the company. But we start our discussion with the banal, swag. The place of swag in the modern developer conference. A question of great importance for our times. I don't know where I would get my t-shirts from if there was not swag. We then get a little philosophical, uh, because the word community has come to mean a great many things and almost nothing now. And what does it mean to have a developer community, and what does the word community mean in that context? Daniel talks about why he prefers the word ecosystem. Finally, we talk about product-led growth, and how creating the right operational structures, and in particular, working really well with your data science team, can be super effective at making the whole organization work together functionally. All right, let us get started. Daniel, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Richard. No, it's great to be chatting again. Awesome. Yeah. I, and in fact, you have the uh, honor of being the last person that I spoke to in person at a conference before going. <laughs> so, um, I think it's bringing back good memories uh yeah 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 the QCon, uh, the QCon. Lose, right <laughs> um yeah that was qcon london you're right that was qcon london uh so i'm just talking to you on zoom here and uh i noticed the uh, the lovely swag you have from ambassador labs yeah lovely sweatshirt uh so i thought we would jump straight into talking about swag the place of swag in developer relations <laughs> what's the future of swag the this is the most important question, really, in developer relations today. <laughs> you reckon? Uh, it, as we're talking off mic, it is, it's an interesting and it's sometimes a controversial topic because a lot of the swag is kind of um, not particularly environmentally friendly, for example, and it's man manufactured ad hoc. And then a bunch of stuff often gets, you know, thrown away at the end of conferences, right? If not everyone picks it up. Um, so I do see some folks, and we've even looked at it in Basta Labs, offering to donate to charity in lieu of giving swag. So if someone comes up to the booth, you do the pitch, you have a chat, you know, learn some good stuff. And then you'd get like, they'd donate to the charity uh, in their name uh, instead of like taking a t shirt instead of taking some other kind of swag. So that is increasingly popular but still it is niche right when i was i was in kubecon detroit well last month now and and the vendor hall was was packed it was you know probably one of the most vendors i've seen at a kubecon and swag was front and center you know you get your cliched competitions you win your lego uh star wars stuff there was lots of there that that there um lots of like fun competitions but every uh vendor had some form of like your takeaway like we did little um angry penguins as we called them squishy ball oh, stress good. balls yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or angry blackbirds our official mascot or edgy is it's a blackbird and um so we did that and of course it had our um logo and our website on the back because that's kind of what you know for me is in like the swag stuff like i try to keep it like not too 
heavy environmental impact, but some fun stuff that people can take away. Because I found back when I was on the other side of the equation, when I was a customer and chatting to folks at conferences, I would take the you know t-shirts, the pens, the swag, and um, it would I sort of put it on my desk. You know, but I like to have the kind of executive toys. What we call them, like so. When I'm thinking, sometimes I'll throw mm. like a stress ball around, or whatever. And you couldn't help, but sometimes you'd be sort of thinking of a problem, and you look down, you see that stress ball branded with X, or you'd see that pen branded with Y, and it would take you back to the conversation at the conference, and you go, oh yeah. Yeah, I need to follow up with those folks. So that's kind of my take on swag that people, some people will, you know, are just going to grab whatever they've got, whatever you've got. Some folks are only going to take swag, you know, interesting vendors and then kind of use it as a prop to remind themselves of the conversations later. So I think swag is important from that perspective, but I think it's going to be going, my, my personal take, see, with the general um, awareness of environmental issues now, is we'll see less and less um, swag going forward. I think there's still going to be an important place for it, but less and less kind of, um, yeah, kind of classic, you know, bring everything in the kitchen sink to give to folks as they walk past the booth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the first question I would have is what the effectiveness is, right? And I'm sure somebody somewhere has an Excel spreadsheet tracking <laughs> of, of the squishy toys with the URL on the back. Because, you know, if the developer is there at their desk uh, trying to solve a coding problem and the squishy thing is helping them relax or figure it out, perhaps it works. Uh, I, another another thing is, have we just... Because, you, you know, developer conferences, if, if, you look at, if you look at the history and how they came about, they kind of come from more traditional trade shows, right? So if you've ever been yep. to industry trade shows... Um, and I, I, back in the day, I used to do a lot of work in telco, so I would have gone to mm-hmm. or Congress, all of these types of things. And they're much more, trade show is about trade and selling, right? It's, yeah. It has a very different vibe to a, a developer conference. Um, I also there, I also went to a couple of them in Vegas, and I remember taking a wrong <laughs> turn and ending up in the American Car Wash Association, <laughs> uh, which was bigger than the telco one I was at. <laughs> nice. I was like, okay, wow, okay, uh, this is this is a huge industry, yeah. um, but swag and sales orientation is much more a part of that scene. And do you think that maybe historically developer conferences have just kind of adopted trade show practices, and maybe we've just been doing it because it was done instead of because we should? Yeah, I mean, I think you and I have walked similar paths, Richard, because I, I remember like some of the early gigs I did, like was selling software, like the whole purpose of going to an event was to meet customers and sell. Whereas yeah. I'll be honest, for KubeCon, like from Ambassador Labs perspective, yes, if folks come up and want to buy our stuff, that's fantastic. But we mainly go to generate awareness and key, we go to listen to folks. You know, what's their problems? Like, where are they struggling? So like it very much is kind of like that community kind of uh, focus these days. And KubeCon is a fantastic example of that. But yeah, I think, you know, over the course of the years I've been going to conferences, which you know is about twenty years now, showing my age, but I've definitely seen that sort of that, that switch you mentioned. From we went to a trade show, we were just selling our stuff, and all the conversations were like, "Here's my pitch. Here's what we can do for you," kind of thing. And we listened a bit, obviously, but it was mainly like one way, right? In terms of like buy our stuff, we'd set up the, the sort of the, the calls to follow up and things. And there, to your point, like swag was like a, a bit of a perk, right? So, you know, in some ways to remind folks of the, the things we talked about and, and also to get them to come up to the booth and engage with us. if We had some really cool stuff. So I, th- I think that's that's the thing, right? As in, we rightly or wrongly still think that even though we're not maybe doing the hardcore selling at the booth anymore, we still want to engage with folks. We still want to learn from them. We want to pick their brains. So we need... We think we need, to your point, we think we need a hook. 
Do you know what I mean? As in, yeah. like, they're having something there that, like, something's tangible you can take away. And I'll be honest, you make it, you're making me think now because at um, at KubeCon, I don't know, I put, put, put a number on it, say 10%, 20% of folks I chatted to at the booth didn't actually want the swag. They were just interested in having a chat. And, and that is definitely, I mean, arbitrary number I've just picked there, not scientific at all, but it was definitely less, uh, sorry, it was definitely um, less folks that sort of turned away swag. Um, at previous KubeCons, that makes sense. Like pre-pandemic, um, we used to get lots of folks come out to the booth and they were all like, you know, give me a t-shirt. And you go, hey, you know, what are you doing on Kubernetes? And they go, I want a t-shirt. <laughs> and you're like, fair <laughs> enough, right? Like, so in some ways, like, whatever, like, we're here to like um, help folks however they can, you know, want to be helped. So th that was that. But yeah, we definitely had a bunch of folks, um, maybe there's some other sort of issues ar around in general, like, um, but people were were not, you know, some of them were like, "Hey, no, I'm, I'm not interested in t-shirt. Great conversation, thanks so much. That's all I wanted." And they and they move on. And I thought, "Huh, that is interesting." So I, there was a definite shift, and again, not a massive shift, but I did notice at, at KubeCon some folks were there just for the conversation. So to your point, maybe we don't need the hook anymore. Maybe we need to have our branding front, front and center, which we do anyway, but um, and make super clear our messaging and our you know value prop and what we're interested in learning front and center. Maybe we don't need the t-shirts, the don't need the squishies, but I think we still have a gut feel that we've not reached that yeah. tipping point yet. You know, I think the t-shirts are probably the least objectionable, right? Because mm. They are a utility item. Um, yep. We're all such nerds, we wear them. I mean, my, my, <laughs> I know, my, yes. My fun of me for literally wearing techie t-shirts <laughs> in public. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I well, you know, <laughs> I, I really like my reinvent t-shirt <laughs> yeah. five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always rocking the Kubernetes swag. I'm not going to lie, right? People do like, what, what is that? Is that a band logo? Some kind of music? I'm yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> technology, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of look like, if you squint from far away, they look like band t-shirts, right? That's it. <laughs> Tending to be cool. Uh, I, yeah, I wonder, is it because people take conferences a bit more seriously now? Because before the pandemic, people would have just gone. You know, it was, it's fairly easy to get approval to go Yeah, for a lot of people. Um, so it wasn't valued as much. Whereas now, maybe people are, 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 there, are, are there to actually get stuff done rather than just just go to a conference because that's fun. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. I think like the pandemic forced a lot of us to think about travels. And I think it forced a lot of companies to think about the value they get from sending folks around when you can jump on a Zoom instead. Um, and I mean, definitely, I think we're going to see over the next like 12, 18 months with the macro economy as it is, that everyone's going to be very conscious about these kind of costs, right? And, and obviously, if you send people to a conference, like there's the travel logistics costs, but there's the opportunity cost as, as well. So, oh, yeah. so yeah, no, I do hear you on that as in, the like we we definitely like, there's probably less people that were walking around uh you know, I keep using KubeCon as my example sort of by recency bias because we were at KubeCon yes. there was probably less people at KubeCon the same for other events I've been to this year but the quality of conversations was higher and I think that jives with what you're saying in yeah. that folks were there they weren't just like you know um oh let's grab some swag or or sort of like chat for folks you know just to really get the lie of the land there were i mean there's a few of those folks but there was a lot of folks that i have this particular problem i've done some research before the event i've heard of you i wanted to come and chat to you uh, as a company as a person and find out more about what you do because people do still value even as you know us techies a lot of us are introverts at heart right we do still value the 
the human interaction. You know, the old cliche in sales, we like to buy from people we like, is still true, right? You want to rock up to folks and say, hey, I've heard of Ambassador Labs. Like, um, well, I've got this API gateway problem. What do you recommend? And you have a sensible conversation. You're not pitching straight from the start, right? You're listening to their problems. Um, so I, th I think, yeah, I think, I think you're onto something. I think the folks that were there, some of them, that you can pick a number, had a job to be done, right? They were like, I need, I've got this problem or I need to buy this product. And they were deliberately going around to the vendors spaces, going to the talks that are relevant to them. Um, and even the folks that sort of didn't perhaps didn't have a job to be done, they were more serious in their conversations in terms of like exploring uh, what everyone did and what the kind of current challenges were in the Kubernetes space as an example. Yes, and something you said there, uh, touches on another question which has been coming up a little bit in, in the DevRel community, which is uh, the purpose of DevRel. Uh, is, it, mm. is it actually part of the sales engine or is it about building community and indirectly supporting sales? Uh, ultimately, business is business. You have to sell. Mm. It's all about sales in the end, really, if you think about it. For, you know, that it, it has to be. But yeah. I suppose it's more of a question of emphasis and how you engage yeah. the community and where, you know, whether you view the community as the top of a funnel or whether you view it as <laughs> people. And uh, I think you can do both in fairness, Richard. I think it's a great question. I think you can do both, right? I think you can look at the community as a top of funnel, but I do agree with you what you're saying. Like they're, they're people <laughs> at the end of the day, right? I said, you've got to like a community. One thing I would say, I learned this in my Java days when I was doing on the JCP work, the Java community process, and we talked a lot about community and some of the stuff there. Um, it was not really a community. It was more like a collection of people that were being talked at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In terms of yeah. where these big enterprise organizations are like, I've got this community. I'm like, it's not really a community because you don't listen to what they say, right? You don't prime the pumps for them to connect with each other. And that's something in Master Labs, like Cindy, who's on my team, does amazing work. She runs the OSS Slacks we've got. She runs a lot of the community programs, our ambassador community advocates. And she is all about the two things she really focuses on is making sure we take the feedback from the community, push it into sales, push it into product, push it into the company. But also Cindy's about joining folks within the community. Like it's, it, it, you know, some of it's altruistic, right? She likes just helping people, seeing them grow, connecting interesting folks. But some of it is like, if we can get help folks to help each other, we don't need to get involved in helping them on the open source stuff, which is great, right? That's, you know, the community sort of reinforces itself. So I think there's, you know, you can definitely, um, look at the, the community as, as both these things. But I think like treating it properly as a community is, I think that's where a lot of folks get tripped up in DevRel when they don't like sort of community being connected into the funnel and connected into sales. Like what they're really saying is like, it, you actually not got a community. We've just got a collection of people we're talking at. And that's, I think that's one of the big problems, right? Yeah. And I mean, to get philosophical for <laughs> We we love using this word community, open source community, or you know the the community around <clears throat> Node.js, which is the one I'd be more familiar with, or community yeah. around various tooling or languages, um, the Kubernetes community. But yeah. what is that? Is it possible to define what does it actually mean? What what are we trying to get at when we use that word community? Yeah, and I often put in ecosystem, but it's ecosystem like it, you know is a is a similar kind of concept, right? But it's also an overloaded term because ecosystem can mean the technologies, the people, the companies all, all associated with it. But I, I, I hear Richard in terms of community, 
I definitely think some folks have latched onto it as kind of like, you know, we're even talking now is the next stage of, of uh, go-to-market strategies could be community-led growth. Like we're talking a lot about product-led growth as well, but folks are saying like community-led growth. But I think it, you, if you're not careful, it almost becomes sort of a meaningless kind of phrase, right? Because to your point, community means many things um, to many people. So I say ecosystem, particularly from like my Kubernetes lens. And I look from this, from like my, you know, my, most of my work was in Java. So I've learned a lot from the Java community. I, I owe them a lot and amazing mentors from there. But we talked a lot about the ecosystem, right? Because even if you have that kind of benevolent dictator, <laughs> like, you know, whether it's Sun Microsystems or yeah. Oracle and these kind of folks, right? As in like, and it worked for the time. Again, which, um, you know, some of the things I'm saying here like, are in the context of 20 years ago. So just the industry yeah. was very different. The world was very different, right? But the, yeah, I think like that for me, the, it, was, it wasn't a community then. It was an ecosystem. And there was definitely pockets of communities. Like we, you know, big break in my career was joining the London Java community, the LJC. And there was fantastic folks like Martin Verberg, Trisha G, Ben Evans, uh, lots of Simon Maple, lots of interesting people there, right? And there was a pocket of genuine community. Like we'd go for beers, we'd go for meals, coffees, whatever. Right, we'd right. hang out, right? We'd connect on a human level and we happen to like Java. Do you know what I mean? And we sort of like, uh, and Oracle, you know, for example, did support us in certain ways, right? In terms of like funding activities, meetups, all these things. But I looked at that, that's the ecosystem. And we chose, and I know you've done the same, like I've, I've spoken at some of your events, but we chose to do a community thing and we happen to be around the London area. So we kind of, you know, spun it up around London, right? And I think that's the thing as in sometimes when folks use the word community and, and they're like from an organization or a company, it really is about their ecosystem, the folks that are in their orbit, and they sort of use community as a bit of a euphemism almost, right? Yeah, I think the, I think the word ecosystem is better to describe that form of community. I, I, I think that is actually a good choice. I think community is, is the issue that I see is in the <laughs> DevRel community. <laughs> yeah, uh, is because of the overloading of the term, right? Because to some to some people, it kind of evokes the idea of, you know, the Amish community barn raising, or right. Right? <laughs> or um, you know, a village choir, or but but you know, you have this idea of mutual aid yeah. for mutual benefit, whereas an ecosystem, by its nature, even the natural ones are about entities feeding off each other <laughs> yeah in harmony right keeping it sort of a, a, a sustainable yeah. ecosystem is all about harmony i'm with you yeah um so I, yeah I, I unfortunately as with most many many tech terms right it gets it has a meaning and yeah it, totally it's extended and yeah. overloaded um which is a little unfortunate uh yeah so that the, and that then leads to another thing, which um, I was having a look at the Ambassador Labs website mm. just before we we started chatting. Um, and I, I often do that with guests, you know, to see how to see how the the how companies that sell to developers uh, position themselves. Yeah. So there's, there's a really great uh, author. Um, her name is April Dunford Dunford, who wrote a book about uh, positioning. Mm, and you know the way i mean there's lots of business books out there but and there's very few that are really cool it's uh, <laughs> yeah. really good right because as yeah. a techie i'm not very good at marketing um right. yeah. i didn't really understand the difference between the marketing activities and the positioning right um, right right yeah interesting interesting um you know so the, the the classic example she gives is the company company she worked for um they had this they had this product that was 
the core of it was a database, but it could do all this other analytic stuff. But when they tried to sell, it was always, oh, you're a database. So can you do joins? And how do you compare to Postgres and Oracle? And right. completely the wrong positioning. It was impossible yeah. to sell because you were, you were in the database bucket, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when they put themselves in a different bucket, it all started coming together. Ah. So your website, Ambassador Labs, I think is really cool because um, you just go straight for the throat <laughs> you speak directly to developers. I mean, you put like YAML on your front page, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where some other 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 people would try to say, "Oh no, we need to be a bit more not professional, but we need to be a bit more uh, enterprisey." Yeah, and we need to, you know, it, it needs to be nebulous benefits. Uh, as a developer, it drives me nuts when I go to websites and there's <laughs> nebulous benefits. Like, show me the code. What are you actually? Yes, doing? exactly. Yes, totally. Show me the docs. Oh. Right. I love your website. Is that, yeah. Was that deliberate or how did that come about? Yeah, very much so, Rich. Very much so. Because, I mean, and just to be clear for like more salesy folks that are listening or whatever, like we do have a uh, sales enablement collateral, which is a more like, uh, you know, the data sheets, the one pages, the here's how you, here's how you like sell into your boss or your manager or whatever. Like, we do have that if folks, if folks want it as well. But yeah, like the way I look at, or the way the team, I should say, I'm standing on shoulders of giants here. But the way the team looks at Ambassador Labs is our webpage is like the storefront, you know, analogy in, in the real world, right? And the folks are, are most interested in the tech and most interesting to us are developers, are the users of the tech, right? So we deliberately build the website. And if you look, it's super easy to get to link to the docs. It's super easy to get to a link to get started, get your hands on the tech. We've deliberately engineered the whole experience. And even the stuff that you don't see, the kind of feeding the, the top of funnel, the adverts, the other places we put our content that feeds into the main getambassador.io and website uh, is all about developers, right? Because, you know, our main product offerings, the main solutions, we uh, spaces we work in are developer-led. Like we often talk about it's a bottom-up adoption moment, right? And again, back from my Java days, like I used to be subjected in some of the companies I worked at to what I call the, the golf course deals, right? Yeah. I'd rock in on Monday and like suddenly my boss or his boss or her boss, you know, like uh, the, the, we bought this new thing from I'll pick it. Actually, I won't. Well, yeah, I'll say IBM. You know, everyone loves IBM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know example, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. We bought this new thing from IBM. With w and have an S in it. <laughs> exactly. That's the same kind of thing, right? And so we bought this massive gateway or we bought this new message queue, make it happen. And we'd be like, what? Like, we didn't need this thing? Or on my days, how do I actually connect all the things together? Like, the docs were impenetrable, or they'd be delivered in PDF format or whatever, right? So that was a very much a top down go to market motion. Oh, to your point, the websites are all enterprisey, the deal's done on the golf course, or you know, somewhere else or whatever. Um, and then we as developers kind of had to pick it up and, and make it work. But yeah, open source, um, cloud native, all the kind of things we've seen over the last 10 years have really flipped that on its head, right? And um, we are, you know, there's there's pockets uh, of expertise of, of, again, ecosystems, communities emerging that all overlap between DevRel, what we call growth now, which is kind of marketing, right? Rebranded to some degree, a bit of a different focus. There's sales. And you know, you and I talked off mic about product-led growth, PLG, which is yes. a very popular um, kind of it's the next evolution of SaaS, you can argue to some degree. It's like SaaS selling was, you know, you could get started, you could do trials, you saw the value of the product and then you buy. Like PLG gets rid of that trial friction to some degree. Like it's, it's product-led growth because all the enablement experiences, learning comes 
happens via the product. Like we, you know, folks can download our software, they can use it via the cloud. They do not need to chat to a salesperson. Because as you and I know, as, as developers or ex-developers, like we, if we can not chat to sales, that's great. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> like, rightly or wrongly, we think sales are going to be like, doing the hard, the heavy pitch are going to be, you know, always trying to get more money or whatever. And I've met some amazing salespeople over my career. And that's not always true. Like there's some genuinely super helpful and amazing salespeople. I'm lucky enough to work with a bunch at Ambassador Labs. But yeah, some folks just want to get started, want to do their thing without um, contacting sales, without signing up for that trial, without even giving an email sometimes, right? And we try and make it as easy for folks as possible. And when I say folks, I mean developers in this context, because they're our target customer. We try to make it easy as possible for folks to get started in the way they want to, whether it's reading the docs, kind of paper prototype, whether it's getting hands-on with the tech, whether it's learning more big picture, so that the website, as you've, as you've seen, Richard, is front and center for helping folks get that job to be done. You know, they really want like, we want to make it easy for them to um, get started as quickly as they can in the way they want to. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and it is it is a great example because you can, you can kind of navigate straight almost straight away to the learning mode that you that that, that you're comfortable with yes the, the, this product-led growth thing is interesting i think we should talk a little bit more about that and try and define it and i mean if you guys have implemented it i'd be interested to hear how you structure that and just to your point about the 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 kind of sales interaction with devrel and with product-led growth my own experiences so this would be doing consulting and building systems for people where we often have to integrate third-party providers, API vendors, that type of stuff. Um, we would often get, we would often get asked to, to make a choice between a couple mm. of vendors yep, yep. as you know, and, and the criteria are kind of, you know, not just price, but also how long is, how, how long is it going to take our, our technical assessment, this type of stuff. So yeah. we're not just influencers. We, we, very much almost majority decision maker even mm -mm, for, yeah. for clients uh, mm -hmm. you know because there's a trust relationship there that's that's kind of what we're there for um yeah but the 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 other issue is that if there's too much sales if sales is a bit overbearing and you know vendors are insisting on demo meetings and this type of stuff yeah what's particularly annoying and this is the important thing <laughs> in sales is who's, who's, who's kind of swatting up on their devrel side of things often if i agree to a demo it's because i've already made the purchasing decision the sale has already been made i wouldn't waste my time on a bloody demo <laughs> should i use it anyway it's just yeah. you made that part of your gateway your gatekeeping process and i can't get i can't get at the code and the api docs uh, until yeah. i do the demo yeah yeah have you ever heard this phrase um selling past the close Ah, I don't think I have Richard. No. Yeah, it's one of these kind of sins that they that I learned it from. Uh, uh, we brought in some advisors into our last company, and and one of the advisors he was an old hand at sales, you know. Mm. And uh, selling past the close is where the sale is made. Mm -hmm. You you don't shut up as a salesperson. You keep <laughs> talking about its benefits and its virtues. You keep going on and on, right? Because gotcha. you're, not, you're not reading. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Person's emotional state, right? Yeah, and you can lose the sale by doing that because you start annoying people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yes. <laughs> okay, if I buy this product, I'm going to deal with this guy. <laughs> yeah, bearing, especially developers or introverts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, so I think that's an I think that's an that that's an issue that some people have is that they, 
you know, but by having these gate gated processes, they're kind of selling past the close and almost r- losing the sale as a result. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in in your case, right? So it is product product led growth. But lead us through the mm-hmm. structure of that. How you've designed that? What does it? What does that term mean? Yeah, I mean, so I can definitely give you the perspective from the DevRel side because I've got some yeah. amazing yeah. colleagues I work in. It, you know, it's very much a cross-functional thing. Like the thing with PLG is is legit, you know genuinely, literally a cross-functional thing. As in, so everyone has a stake. You know, it's product-led growth, but so clearly product are involved and the growth team. But engineering are clearly involved. We have actually a growth engineering team that does experiments. We have you know sales involved in terms of how they message things. So PLG, it's a it's a huge kind of um, yeah huge you know, company-wide uh, effort that a lot of companies, you know, like HubSpot is one of the famous ones and a bunch of, bunch of other companies as well. And um, once you get it right, it can be a real like game changer. Exactly to your point, like Richard, folks can sign up and get started and then they on-ramp super quickly. They on-ramp themselves typically onto the product. And then there's room for expansion in the future. Maybe again, without even talking to sales, right? So it's a real like um, virtuous feedback loop so to speak if you if you get plg done right but the, the biggest thing that, that you know we've we've really leaned into it over the last year i'd say particularly with the telepresence product that we have which is for fast um the feedback developer loops in, if you're using kubernetes um mm. we've really there's some of those as a SaaS component we've got ambassador cloud which sort of like that's the way the product-led growth is, is mainly driven like through our cloud product but you install uh, the telepresence product locally on your machine and connect up to your id and debugger and things but yeah we've really leaned into the plg uh, focus the last um a year with that and i think the 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 main thing the biggest thing that sort of was a shift for me is you know i was like oh how is this different to what we've been doing before right and then a lot of the stuff before you know we, we've always been doing to be honest some form of plg like similar to like a lot of us who are in devrel maybe not have the devrel title but we've been doing devrel like things all our career yes. do you know what i mean like, i think that's a very common thing when i chat to devrel folks like, i didn't have that title but yeah i was going to community meetups i was selling you know i was selling the my ideas my you know sharing my ideas out with folks and i think it's the same with plg like a lot of folks have been doing it already but the real sort of counter example with plg is a top-down sales motion like sales-led growth which is exactly what you and i talked about a minute ago on on the golf course right that was the way it was done you know that we'd have folks back in the day not with Ambassador labs other companies i worked at we'd have folks cold calling ceos cold calling coos saying hey we've got this awesome product come meet our sales team you know we'll take you out for lunch we'll go to the golf course whatever works for you right and then we'd very much sell the big value prop you know it was a long sales lead time six months or whatever you know big high high value deals and but it was very much a top-down motion we had to win the approval of the the coo the c-level the vps that kind of thing um whereas product-led growth is the exact opposite of that it's a bottom-up motion like you're targeting your users typically and often the users are the economic buyers too or they have a lot of influence on the economic buyers so I think like the definitely a trend we've seen in the industry is sort of the purchasing power has moved down, to use a phrase, moved down through the hierarchy. Yeah. So sure, the, the COO, depending on the size of org, may sign off some purchases, right? But then the middle management also are quite empowered. And now we, we bump into a lot of folks in Basta Labs that even like the developers working actually on the code, they're empowered up to a certain value to buy tools okay. that make their lives easier, right? So yeah. like, you know, they are the users and the economic buyers. But even if they're not the economic buyers, they're still the users and they, they are the champions. They are the influencers within the org, right? So yes, we, you know, PLG very much focused on making it frictionless. And we use that word a lot in Basta Labs, making it as frictionless as possible for a developer 
to get experience of the product, and then the product does the selling. Hence, the product-led growth. The product leads to the growth of the org, growth of the you know revenue, growth of all the good things we want to do in terms of open source and feedback as well. But yes, we so as we've said with the website, everything is targeted towards getting our developers into the product and, and having a best experience as quickly as possible. Um, you know, through whatever means they want, whether it's videos, whether it's um, blog posts, how-to guides. We've done some like sandbox activities where they can actually get hands-on, like in a, in a web browser or using sort of a Kubernetes cluster that we spin up in the back end. And once they um, like the product, you know, they can chat to sales at any time. There's always that break glass moment where they go, hey, I've got a slightly weird use case. Can I, you know, have a chat to a sales engineer or something. That's totally cool. But they can also sign up with a credit card in, in our website and, and never talk to sales and they're off and running and you know they can get the full value of, of the product. And then, yeah, and, the, and there's sort of the, the flywheel there, so to speak, is if the product delivers on the promise and it's all frictionless and folks are getting more value, you often see, you know, because it's sort of like the pricing model is typically based around consumption, how many uh, things you're using or how many developers are using the product or how many shares you're making, that kind of thing. Then um, over time, you typically find um, happy customers just spend more money because the product, again, drives that internal growth of, of revenue. So hopefully, I mean, product-led growth, is, it's, a, it's a big topic. Hopefully that's sort of like given yourself and your listeners a bit of an overview, particularly from the DevRel sort of, you can hopefully see the, the hooks there of how DevRel would play into that in terms of you know driving all the um frictionless experiences that like we do a lot of content marketing of course we write a lot of content we create a lot of tutorials we create a lot of you know interactive experiences but we're also which is an interesting one we're also the voice of the customer here because we are like my team we're all developers right we're, we're yeah, sort of in marketing right that's it. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't make it mandatory because I've had some folks on my team in the past that, you know, have sort of come out of college and have done it or university and done a bit of programming or whatever, and they can do fantastic work in the DevRel space. But at the moment, the makeup of the team is, is pretty much everyone has done some development in the past. So they can empathize. Like there's a kind of sniff test, right? As if we're doing a new experiment, as product led growth, you do a lot of experiments. You have a lot of hypotheses. Hey, if we tweak this, if we made this better for the user, will it drive more growth, you know, in the, in the product? Mm. But we, we can give that sniff test right we can go like hey i see what you're trying to do there but actually that's gonna make on onboarding more tricky or actually i don't think the average developer is going to even care about that feature do you know what i mean like we yeah. can offer like that sort of sniff test if you like and, and we can also say like oh that's really cool and here's how i'd measure the impact of that thing because that's not always obvious to non-developers on the team as well so that's where devrel like provides a lot of value because we're kind of we're pseudo customers to some degree right of the product yeah, that so that that touches on on the the follow up question that I had for you is, uh, so you've given an, a, a kind of an, a, an overview of the the, the concept of product led growth and mm. the benefits and how it fits together. Um, it all makes sense, but the fine details operationally, you've you've touched on those a little bit now, right? Where you where you were giving feedback on specific features, but do you go right down into uh, this whole thing of of having you know users segmentation and cohorts and tracking various metrics and getting extremely data analytical about it, or is it a little bit softer and you're using your developer intuition? Oh, operationalize the the yeah. ELG, right? Great question. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And funny enough, like uh, depending on when uh, this gets published, like uh, when listeners are looking back, I'm doing a talk in Prague at DevRelCon next week, which the, some of the slides will, will exactly hint at this. And I would say um, 
It's a twofold answer in that we are very data driven, but that is um, run by a different team that like I work with very closely day in, day out uh, in Ambassador Labs, run by Kelsey and I can, uh, Kelsey Evans, I can ping you a link. She did a fantastic oh, yeah. um, uh, interview with a bunch of other PLG folks in the dev, rel- in the dev marketing space, sorry, uh, for Newstack. Myself and Adam LaGreca, buddy of mine, we wrote up this uh, interview that Kelsey did. Um, so like Kelsey um, sets, she, she's like the leader of the growth, digital growth uh, marketing, and we call it different names now, uh, overall tone for, you know, goals, experiments to be driven. And on her team are a set of amazing data folks, data scientists, you know, uh, storytellers, the, the whole thing, right? So like that part of the org, very focused on understanding, you know, where folks come from in terms of like where they, you know, the, the top of funnel, where they, they sort of land in the product, what do they do, that kind of thing. So data, like is a, I often say it's a PLG superpower. And more importantly, interpreting the data. Like again, like Sarah and Adash on Kelsey's team, they are amazing at looking at data, telling the story, and more importantly, helping the rest of us understand that story as well. So we lean a lot into data. But the sort of joke I'm, I'm half making in my um, DevRelCon talk last week is the data science team, uh, it's, it's not true, like they're amazing people, but I sort of quip them sometimes that they don't pay attention to the qualitative aspects, right? So they're all about the quantitative, like X number of users did this thing X times. And I'm like, and they tell a story around it, but I'm like, actually, I think a qualitative point of view, if we go and interview some folks, in the community or the ecosystem or we interview a customer, we'll get a better story, right? Because what you see in the data, like the data doesn't lie, but we might interpret the wrong things from it. Does that make sense? And that's where DevRel is really powerful. We are the voice of the user, the voice of the customer. And because we've got that sort of background, I can often, you know, like this, and to be fair, there's totally things that come out of the data that I would have never seen. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's super interesting insight. We can make our, you know, tweak our products, improve our docs based on that observation. But likewise, there's some things I'll say to the data science team. I'm like, hey, what do you, what do you think about this story? from you know, using my DevRel brain, mapping onto the data you've got there. And they'll be like, oh, interesting. I didn't see that perspective. That kind of, you know, I'm like, let's go and chat to some customers. Let's go and see what they're doing with the products, right? So I think both things, and I think at least in our, the way we've split it, not, so the way we've divided the work in the org, and again, uh, to be clear, it's super cross-functional. We meet, you know, as a team, twice a week and we're on slack all the time so it's, it's really one you know we're 100 people in the whole org of ambassador labs but particularly this this growth this plg engine and the marketing side of it sales um growth and uh, devrel we're constantly collaborating and sharing ideas on on slack on a, on a daily hourly basis so we're, we're telling each other like the perspectives that we've got sharing those perspectives and coming up with an ultimate kind of story an ultimate plan of what we're going to do next based on those stories that sounds very healthy compared to, compared to some organizations that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> is, did that happen organically or was it designed? Was it a deliberate design? Because a lot of organizations have this thing where DevRel has been tacked onto the side. Oh, agreed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's just, oh, just go do marketing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yes, no, I've, I've seen that. Go marketing. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really good point, Richard. So, I, so I've been lucky enough. I've been with the Ambassador Lab since it was like five people, right? So I've, you know, um, and we've got amazing leadership okay. in, in Richard Lee and, and Bjorn Freeman Benson. Like, and, and they've 
really empowered us, particularly the early folks, to, to think about the, the business kind of end-to-end, right? So to the point I made earlier, my official title when I joined Investor Labs was product architect. So I was doing a lot of product stuff. I was you know, chatting mm-hmm. to customers, working with Richard, CEO, very closely in terms of what are we actually going to build here, right? And you'd even call it like product uh, market management now, your PMM now is this sort of the role mm-hmm. where you're, you're, you're mapping the product and the, and the marketing, right? PMM roles are, are very hot at the moment. Um, so I think, and, and I sort of worked very closely and learned a lot from Richard that we, as we sort of evolve the role and the, and the company was evolving around us, like I, I'd always be going, hey, Richard, have you thought about this? Like with my developer hat on, right? And he'd be doing some product stuff and he'd go, oh no, let's feed it in. So we were, we were always doing DevRel-like things even before, I think it was two years ago, Richard was like, hey, you know what? We're big enough now. We've you know, we got our series, I think it was series A at the time. And he was like, we're big enough now that we need a DevRel department and I want you to lead it. And I was like, Awesome. That sounds great, right? You know, and because uh, you've been pretty much doing some of that anyway, but let's make it more of a focus and let's bring a team in, right? So I, I've hired some amazing people over the years to, to, you know, I've got four or five folks in my team now that um, support all the activities sort of under the DevRel community umbrella. So I think it was a deliberate design with myself, Richard, and, and several other folks, but also an evolution of we've always been a developer-focused company. Do you know what I mean? Like Richard even like comes back. Like he's had an amazing, amazing experience in sales and, and product and a bunch of other things, but he was a developer. He went to MIT over in, in Boston and in States um, yeah. and he, he got it right from the day one, right? So that's one of the reasons I joined the company. I saw that he understood, you know, what developers were about. So I do, to your point, I've totally seen and I've even sort of worked in a few companies where um, DevRel is, is, to be honest, pure content marketing, right? It's like, hey, yeah. you know enough about the topic, write me some blogs. And, and that works for some folks. I'm not trying to be too judgmental, but I think for the kind of company we're at and where I enjoy and where I want to lead my team and offer opportunities is, is so much more than just content marketing. Do you know what I mean? It is, yeah, it's being, so being a little mini value. to some degree. There's so much more you, that you can do for the business than just generate blog posts. Yeah, 100%. That, that works probably 10 years ago or whatever, right? Like HubSpot, you know, really aced that as in like they're sort of the traditional case study of content marketing. They just did amazing work. But these days, the algorithms on search engines are smarter. The people like us, we're all a bit smarter about how we choose to read things, right? And there's so much out there that that doesn't work. So yeah, these days, you've got to be thinking end-to-end. We, like, we have a big focus on end-to-end thinking and focusing on the value. Like don't chase the money, chase the value, right? What value are we giving to the customers? That's then the money usually follows from that. Wonderful stuff. I think we shall conclude it there. That is a a high note um, because that that I think that's a really really important little insight. Um, your organization is I, I would see it as kind of a model organization, really, for DevRel having a fundamental impact in an organization. Um, I you know and, and I mean it, it's, it does sound like it it's kind of developed organically, but the right yes. intentions were there. That's it, which uh, that, that, that perfectly said. Yeah. And, right and it's clear, clearly, clearly it works. Yeah, uh, yo, no, totally. Yes, yes. Fun. Yeah, that's um I I think there's I think there's a bit of fundamental learning there, um, which which would help a lot of people. Daniel, thank you so much. This has been really, really great. Yeah, always a pleasure, Richard. Always enjoy chatting and uh, hopefully we'll get to catch up in person soon. Absolutely. Take care. Fantastic. Cheers, Richard. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.